Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 1049 The Horn. 512 Friday edition of Ball Don't Lie on 1049 The Horn. That's when we play jams from local bands and artists. Very talented human beings who you can catch right here in the ATX. And my man Patrick lets you know exactly how you can do it. Who's who we jamming right now, Patrick? This is Aaron Stevens. He is playing Saturday at Antone's. Oh, man. I like this. Nice yeah. groove here. Yeah, Aaron Stevens is awesome. Yeah, he sounds like uh, he's legit, real deal. But honestly, I probably have said that or thought that with three of the four songs you played today. Um, so you're always doing a great job. If you miss any of those suggestions and selections for 512 Friday, go to hornfm.com and catch up with them right there. Um, all right. Let's get to more championship, uh, conference championship preview here. Uh, let's wrap up our discussion about the Philadelphia Eagles and the 49ers. We've talked about it um, probably more than we've talked about the AFC matchup, so I want to get deep into that AFC matchup a little bit. Also, something I'm wor- worried uh, with about the 49ers, because I'm picking the 49ers, but I was worried about this when they played the Cowboys, and the Cowboys didn't exploit it. Remember I, t- I said I watched that? You watched that Raiders game, because you're a Raiders fan, Patrick, and I talked about those eight uh, 20-plus yard pass plays the 49ers allowed to Jarrett Stidham and the Raiders. Six of those came on passes 20 yards or more through the air. Four of those were via play-action pass. Four of those were also uh, using uh, pre-snap motions and shifts on those plays where that caused those deep balls. And I think six of those eight were also on first down. Cowboys didn't really follow my advice about throwing deep on uh, the 49ers and testing that uh, defense deep. I think the Eagles will. I think they'll use play-action pass when they do it. Uh, The Eagles' downfield passing game, 15-plus yards in the air. Uh, They have a 53% completion percentage, second-best in the NFL. 14 touchdowns is third-best in the NFL. And the San Francisco defense on 15-plus yard throws defending them, uh, they're allowing the fifth-worst completion percentage. Um, and they've allowed the uh, fourth worst or 28th in touchdowns allowed on 15-plus yard throws. They actually are vulnerable to the deep ball. My man Hards was talking about that, too, on his research. The, the, the Cowboys weren't able to exploit it, but if you watch that Kansas City game where they beat uh, the 49ers or you go watch the Raiders game where the Raiders put, pushed the game to overtime and almost beat the 49ers with Jared Stidham as their starting quarterback, they were able to throw the ball deep, chunk yardage plays on them. Philadelphia has that ability because of those two wideouts on the outside, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Yeah, and this is what I've talked about being worried about them being able to go over the top and score quickly. Yeah, uh, it's, You just don't – you really don't want to allow that to happen, but it is something that San Francisco has allowed in the past, which is why I think you have to kind of make the decision to m- make Jalen Hurts beat you first with his feet – and then if he does, then you're going to have to go up. But Jalen Hurts is probably not going to break off a 60-yard run. So you're saying instead of devoting, devoting bodies to, to stop the run game, you would make sure you didn't give up any deep explosive passes first. I would make sure you didn't go over the top make first. Make them beat I would, you with 10, 12, 15-yard play. I would say plays. let's see if we can get our linebackers in the right spot to not put a QB spy on him yeah. and just let's try and see if we can keep him contained enough. To 10 to 15-play drive. He beats us with a 15-play drive to get yes. all the way down the field. If we can, we'll play red zone defense. Exactly. Yeah. If we can go, hey, man, let's make them play just really slow and then we get into red zone – and this comes into who can score touchdowns and who kicks field goals, I feel better about that than, hey, man, they're just going to take a shot and they can run, they'll scramble, he'll scramble for, you know, seven mm-hmm. yards and then it's a first and or a second and three, which means they can take a deep shot pretty easy on that play. Yep. And we also know that if they get within a yard, they'll go for it on fourth every time because they have the best quarterback sneak in the game. Arguably in the history of football. So you, the you know if they're <laughs> within fourth and one, 
or third and one or second and one, it's, those are deep shots because mm-hmm. they can afford to do that because they know they have a four-down territory. That's a good point. And, and so when you know you have that, you have to go, hey, man, just make them do the quarterback sneak, then let them, let them get five yards and six. I know it's going to eat us up and chew us, but we want to get later in this game where our physicality is going to beat them down a little bit more. And, and that's where I think San Francisco needs to go. And if you're, and if you're Philadelphia, run the ball as much as you can early in that game to make them respect you, and then you can go over the top. Uh, to your point about going over the top, 49ers versus play-action pass, allowing 71% completion percentage, uh, nine touchdowns, five interceptions, but a 101.4 pass rating. And like I said, um, a lot of – and, and Hurts' play-action pass, he's been phenomenal this year. 11 touchdowns, two interceptions, 107.6 pass rating to Patrick's point. You pound that rock early on, those linebackers start creeping up, safety starts creeping up because they have to because they're getting eviscerated on the ground, and that's when they hit you with the play-action passes over the top, and they got – Two, two of the best receivers in the game to help to, to exploit that and to help them be able to uh, be effective with those deep shots. So it, it is, I mean, they are an offense that, like I said, it, they don't really have a lot of flaws and they have a way to answer all of your questions or they have a way to solve all the problems, I should say. I went and looked at that, that Giants game one more time. So I, thought to me, I was like, man, the Giants... You know, uh, Wink Martindale is known for being able to apply pressure, and they didn't really get any pressure on Jalen Hurts. And you want to know why they didn't get any pressure on Jalen Hurts? Because Jalen Hurts limited their pass rush to 12% pressure rate. All we quick game. Getting the ball out of his hands quick. Quick game, quick game, quick game, quick game, quick game. So before the pass rush even had a chance. And remember, their best pass rushers are in the interior. Dexter Lawrence, right? Those yeah. are the those are the, and they couldn't get there at all to disrupt him. He, how about this? His, his uh, quickest time to throw of his career was in that game versus the Giants, two point four seconds. That was his average time to throw. So my my concern with the 49ers, if they because I think the 49ers can cause they can cause some pressure and create pressure. Of course they can, but it may be a moot point if he's getting the ball out that quickly, yeah. and then the 49ers get frustrated without getting pressure. So they either bring the DBs up to play more press, man, or to press the receivers, and they leave themselves vulnerable to, you know, obviously being taken advantage of over the top. But also, if you bring the safeties and everybody up, that's when you're talking about the play-action game and getting over the top. And then I worry about them occupying the eyes of those linebackers, too. So if you no matter what the 49ers throw at the Philadelphia Eagles, they've proven time and time again they do have the necessary – the resources to be able to evolve and to be able to overcome those obstacles. And that's what I'm worried about. Jalen Hurts. He can beat you running the ball. He can beat you from the pocket as a passer, or he can beat you manipulating the defense with concepts like the RPO game and the play action pass game and just be able to occupy eyes of linebackers using sleight of hand. He, there, there really isn't a way to attack. Them. Like I said, the best way to do it, strangely enough, is to get Jalen Hurts out of the pocket. And before he starts to scramble, because he's decisive, you make him pause and you basically force him to become a quarterback that's looking to throw the ball downfield. But before he starts to scramble outside the pocket, that's when Jalen Hurts actually is at his most ineffective. 37% completion percentage outside the pocket, 4.2 yards per attempt, and a 52 passer rating. If they can find that sweet spot, have a spy on him, collapse the pocket, but the spy keep him from scrambling, but he's flushed from the pocket but not scrambling – that's going to be the key because that's almost a wasted play for them. Well, and we've seen, we saw with uh, after the Bengals found out the, the trick to Patrick Mahomes was to just make him 
to take away everything long and just make him play smart football. Everyone started to do that. Patrick Mahomes adjusted and just played smart football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just threw little passes, and they just marched down the field, and they would score. And so the defense stopped working when people that weren't Lou Anarumo were doing it. But I think if you're San Francisco, you want to do that to Jalen Hurts and try to get him to make a mistake, try and get him to – the game, it's not going to be that cold. It's going to be 37, which is cold, but not for, no, for football players. Not for the, yeah. So it's not something where it's going to be crazy. But you are going to say, man, if we can make a 10-yard drive and we get them and then we just don't give him anything. In the whole first half, we just don't give him anything. And we take long drives ourselves. And he just – see if we can make this young guy who wants to go out there and win a game – Make a mistake trying to win a game to look like a young quarterback, and that's so you're they're going to try and do it to Brock Purdy, but I don't think Brock Purdy's in that position where he will ever feel like I have to go win this game. Yeah, <laughs> because right. they go, man, that's Christian McCaffrey's job, that's Debo's job, that's Kittle's job, that's not your job, but for Philadelphia, it is Jalen Hurts' job. That's a good point. I like the way you said that too, because yeah, he it, without him, we saw what that offense is yes. without him. He is the straw that stirs the drink. There's no question. Um, yeah, they asked his to be a game manager. Go match the game for us, buddy. Yeah. That's all you got. And you want to turn Jalen Hurts into a game manager because if you can do that, he can still they can still come down, they can beat you, and they can do everything else. But your odds of him getting impatient yeah. and forcing a ball into double coverage or not reading a safety correctly. Or trying to run the ball and get that extra two yards yeah. and it comes out. He's trying to do too much. All of those little things. Mm-hmm. And that's what teams do to Josh Allen. <laughs> we oh. Take away all these other things and make you try and beat us. And we know you're going to turn it over when you do. And it's a little easier because Buffalo takes away the running game themselves. So yes. they decide <laughs> they, not to they run don't, the game. They didn't ball. bring that. They don't bring the running oh, game. Oh, I didn't it's pack like, yeah. it again. It's just, oh, you take away Stefan Diggs? Well, I got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing. Um, two things real quick before we move on here. Uh, Brock Purdy, it was the Eagles facing Brock Purdy. Um, Brock Purdy throws the ball, and the 49ers do this too. It's not just Brock Purdy. They love in-breaking routes um, into basically the middle third of the field. 177 of uh, the 214 passing yards for Brock Purdy versus Dallas were on in-breaking routes. Think about that. So if you're facing the 49ers, you do want to pack the middle. You want to pack the middle because that's where they – and by the way, those are easier throws for Purdy, right? You don't want Purdy throwing outside the numbers down the field. You want Purdy throwing those those nice uh, in-breaking routes to a kiddo or those the, that deep six route to Debo Samuel wide open. That's what you want, and that's what the 49ers want to do. So expect the Eagles to pack the middle of the field, force some of those throws uh, to the outside. One other thing to watch with Purdy, too. I, I saw this little number, little nugget here. Apparently forcing Purdy to his left is a thing. When he is drifting or booting, booting to his left this season, 32% completion percentage. All right, when his launch point is from the left, when he's rolling to the left. All right, two touchdowns, one interception, 63 passer rating. The two touchdowns are actually on short throws. They won't basically check downs, and then the receiver did the rest. The Eagles defense leads the NFL um, in interceptions thrown by quarterbacks rolling or booting to their left. So that's a big key. Apparently, too, when he's running and booting and rolling and drifting to his left, he's just not as comfortable, not as effective. It's all about the little things, the little things. Also, four-man pressures, the, the Eagles love them. They led the NFL in, in sacks this year with 75, actually, they're now totally. 50 of those 75 have come on four-man pressures. Brock Purdy, excellent against four-man pressures. 126.6 passer rating, 22 points higher than the next closest quarterback, which is Josh Allen. He's amazing against four-man pressures. If Philadelphia gets a little frustrated not being able to get to Brock Purdy, they may decide to blitz. If they do, 
that is advantage 49ers because that means one of those great skill guys is left one-on-one <laughs> without a lot of help. You just got to find out who that guy is, but you got to do it quick before the blitz gets home. All right, let's talk about the AFC matchup between Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, 3-0 and versus Patrick Mahomes. And honestly, I don't see it like that. I, I, I am looking at this matchup as not Joe Burrow versus Patrick Mahomes. I'm looking at it as Patrick Mahomes versus Lou Anarumo, the defensive coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals. He has just been excellent and doesn't get enough props. And he's at his best late in the year. It's almost like he saves his best concepts defensively for the playoffs. There is no defense out there that is more creative and more duplicitous that shows you one look pre-snap and gives you something totally different in the post-snap. I mean, you talk, every time I see Lou Anarumo's defense pre and post snap, I feel like the ghetto boys should be playing. My mind's playing tricks on me. Because that's what happens to Patrick Mahomes. We saw it. He looked discombobulated and stupefied. And one of the main reasons that Lou Anarumo is so uniquely gifted with his disguises pre snap and post snap, making it just tougher for quarterbacks to decipher it, is because of that disguise. And the way that he moves those chess pieces around, and he almost defies the, the laws that quarterbacks have learned about what uh, binds the structural integrity of a defense. He, 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 defi- he defies all that. And he makes it so tough for quarterbacks to process what's happening that they hold on to the ball longer while they're trying to decipher the defense and the coverage. And we know this by looking at time to throw. Most quarterbacks want to get the ball out quick. Remember I just said Jalen Hurts against the Giants got the ball out in 2.4 seconds. How the hell are you going to get to him unless you got Nick Bosa's lined up across the board, right? Takes a little while. Lou Anarumo, when he faces an elite quarterback, the quarterbacks that I listed, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, right? Those are quarterbacks. I looked at their time to throw, average three years, average time to throw in their three-year span, and I looked at their average time to throw versus Lou Anarumo's defense when they faced him. Aaron Rodgers, three-year average, 2.57. That's his uh, 2.57 seconds is his average time to throw. Against Lou Anarumo, 2.97. Patrick Mahomes, average time to throw, 2.71 seconds. Versus Lou Anarumo, over three seconds time, average time to throw. Lamar Jackson, 2.8 seconds on average. Against Lou Anarumo, over three seconds. 3.07 3.07 seconds uh, average time to throw. Josh Allen, 2.7 seconds is his average time to throw, but against Lou Anarumo's defense, 2.99. Justin Herbert, 2.67 uh, seconds is average time to throw in three-year span. Against Lou Anarumo, 2.85. And we know that you know this is consistent because then we can go back and look at Patrick Mahomes' you know, uh, performances that he's had in some recent games, and Patrick Mahomes has been great, so I'm not saying that this is the – uh, the kryptonite for Patrick Mahomes, and this is how you stop him. No, this is just uh, a, an analytical uh, nugget, right? You kind of start building your your game plan around because you know that Patrick, if you can make him hold on to the ball, well, then you know the pass rush gets home. That's the key. Because the pass rush can't get there if he's getting rid of the ball. Quick game, quick game, quick game, quick game, quick game. You want to nullify the quick game. So in Patrick Mahomes, you go look at it. In 2021, the regular season, his average time to throw, 2.84 seconds. In 2022, it was 2.89 seconds. They were both ranked 12th in the NFL. 2021, week 17 versus the Bengals, Mahomes' average time to throw, 3.11 seconds. His highest 
game average in 2021 and the AFC title game in 2021 versus Lou Anarumo's defense. Mahomes average time to throw was 3.03 seconds. And in 2022, week 13 versus Lou Anarumo's defense, Patrick Mahomes average time to throw 3.21 seconds. So it, basically his average time to throw was above three seconds in each of his last five losses going back to last year's initial meeting with Cincinnati. You want to beat Patrick Mahomes, you got to force him to hold on to the ball while he's processing and trying to decipher what the hell you're doing on defense. Mahomes only lost two games in 2020 all year. The Bucks in the playoffs and the Raiders. The Raiders used a four-man rush to make him really, you know, just indecisive. And he held the ball. For on average, 3.71 seconds. And then in the Super Bowl, probably his worst performance ever, going against that Tampa Bay Bucks defense, um, he held on to the ball, average 3.51 seconds. Time to throw. Got to make him hold on to the ball. That's the one common denominator of all of his bad performances. He holds on to the ball way too long. He's not comfortable. Kittles, uh, sorry, his, uh, Kelsey's not open. You know, Tyreek Hill's not open. That's the key. And if Lou Anarumo's making him hold on to the ball, he's patting that thing. Bengals going to win. Hey, and if you want to know something about Lou Anarumo, about why his defensive backs play well, Give it Lou to Anarumo, me. before he became the defensive coordinator for Cincinnati Bengals, had been a defensive backs coach for 28 years. Damn. With who? With a bunch of different teams. But he wow. started in 1990 as a Damn. defensive backs coach and has been a defensive backs coach consistently since 1990. That's amazing. That is actually amazing. And, and you're right. He came out of nowhere. Yep. The name, like, it, it's, so, yeah, because he basically, so he started out at Wagner as a running backs coach, but he was like partial because he went to Wagner. Huh. So they brought him in there, and he was like, a, uh, when he went to school, he was also uh, coaching at a high school. Wow. Uh, then he went on to Syracuse as a graduate assistant uh, and an assistant defensive backs coach, U.S. Merchant Marine Academy. Defensive coordinator, defensive backs, Harvard, assistant head coach, defensive back, special teams, Marshall, defensive backs coach, Purdue for a while, defensive back coach, Miami Dolphins, DB coach for five years, and then the Giants, DB coach in 2018, 2019, he becomes a defensive coordinator for the Bengals. What a hire by Zach Taylor. 28 years as a DB coach. Which explains why he's so good at being able to form these uh, pre-snap disguises with DBs. He has seen a lot of different offenses in 28 years at different levels as coaching DBs. You go, when you look at it, because I kind of went down trying to figure out why he's not getting any interest as a head coach. It's crazy. So I went through to try and find stuff today, and that was one of the things you're like, I think it's just that he's been around forever and no one really knows him. Was this his first defensive coordinator gig? So he was an interim DC for Miami in 2015. Uh, wow. So I, whenever they fired their DC, he took over for the rest Damn. of the season and then went back to being the D, uh, DB coach after that. Damn. So they kept him as a DB coach, but did not give him the defensive coordinator position. Mm. And then he did it when he was with smaller schools. He was okay. the uh, defensive coordinator for the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy. So not really a high profile. But he he's been he's been phenomenal, and I'm with you. I don't know why he's not getting more head coaching None. looks and interviews. Cause I don't think I've ever heard him getting interviewing once. But no. you're right; he's been around the league forever, so everybody knows him. Yeah, he's been in he's been in the NFL since 2015, is what we said. Yeah, so 2012. Sorry, so 2012. He went yeah. from Purdue to Miami, so he's been been there for what been, ten years yeah, now. He's been there long. So enough. you should know who he is. It's just that's one of those weird things. So I was trying to look at it today. I was trying to listen to interviews to see if he was, you know, he didn't talk well or anything yeah. like that. And he's got a little bit of a New York accent, but, but that's not anything that's it wasn't yeah. crazy. He was 
It's so weird, man. I'm with you. I don't understand it, but I can tell you, if he does, if he makes Patrick Mahomes look subpar again, man, I, I he may have the the blueprint on how to defend Patrick Mahomes. I mean, it may be the uh, the the next blueprint on how to defend Mahomes because nobody's been able to do. It. And by the way, he's got a bunch of these in the last two years in the playoffs. He held Buffalo and Josh Allen at ten points. Um, now, Baltimore didn't have Lamar Jackson, so they had 10 points, but not Lamar Jackson. Uh, held the Rams to 23, Kansas City to 24, Tennessee to 16, Vegas only 19. That Cincinnati defense has been legit, no question. Not getting enough love. Um, and so I'm, I'm torn really on picking Cincinnati with three offensive linemen going to be out, starting offensive linemen out. I remember we – we took that for granted when the Bucks and the Chiefs faced off in the Super Bowl and Patrick Mahomes was missing multiple starting offensive linemen and we thought, oh, maybe Patrick Mahomes can work that magic. You know, he moves around the pocket, keeps plays alive. That was not the case. They were dominated by that Bucks defensive front. And I wonder, are we going to see something like that again? Nobody really knows, but that Kansas City defense, they're second in the NFL in pressures behind Dallas. They led the NFL in quarterback hits. They, I mean, that's no easy win over that defensive front. And you'd be missing three starting O-linemen. Oh, man. That's the only thing keeping me from, from picking the uh, Burrow and the Bengals wholeheartedly and enthusiastically. Hey, you know, I'll tell you why. I, I can't because the mayor came out Uh-oh. and uh, oh, no. the mayor came out oh, and no. asked for a paternity test from Joe Burrow to see if he was Patrick Mahomes' father. <laughs> Wish I was making that up, Rod. It's a real thing that happens. Are you serious? Real thing. Oh, they so they are cocky. Yeah, they, the Bengals are cocky right they now. They are real cocky. Walking they are in. real. The Burrow, the Burrow head thing. Burrow head stadium. Yeah, yeah it is. So what is? You think they're too cocky? I mean, with three line, like three linemen out, and three you, linemen and out, you like, beating Mahomes three times in a row. Is he gonna beat him four times in a row? I mean, look, I want to pick the Bengals, but guys, you gotta. Make yourself not the villain in this story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Because they are supposed to have the uh, oh, the under blue collar underdog mentality. Yeah. You going up against a team that's been to what five straight uh, championship games. So yeah, you should be the underdog, the blue collar, you know, kind of feeling. You know, they don't feel like that. They feel like no. They they feel like Apollo, and somehow. Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City feel like Rocky. I it's don't funny. get it. <laughs> it seems like Joe Burrow got real tired of playing the underdog. He did. And he was just like, all right, screw all y'all. I ain't the underdog no more. He, you're right. Call me an underdog to my face. <laughs> <laughs> Officially, I think they are. This they line, are one and a half points right now, yeah. I believe. So, but by the way, the line started with Kansas City as a one and a half point favorite. Then it shifted to a pick em. Then it went to uh, Cincinnati as a one and a half to two point favorite. Then it shifted back to a pick em. And now it is Kansas City back to a one and a half point favorite. So the Vegas wise guys can't make up their mind, and neither can I. I'm going to take the Bengals just because it's hard to pick against Joe Burrow. But, damn, missing three starting offensive linemen. If he does that, we, we might have to start uh, talking about Joe Burrow in a different category. Yeah. If, he, if he beats Mahomes four straight times and then does it on the road, all right, with three starting old linemen out, what? what? And, and also, I, no I, I, like, I kind of don't want him to win because – I know what those pass rushes are in the NFC. Oh, and like I, I don't, I don't want that for that man. Oh, uh, like you can throw the ball quick, but you're gonna be throwing the ball real quick That's on either great, one of them. I never thought about that, but you're right. How about this? No matter who wins, are you still are you picking the NFC against whoever wins? 
I don't know. In Kansas City wins, it's it's a little different. Yeah, because his pa- Patrick Mahomes' ankle can heal. Yes. So right now, his Patrick, high ankle sprain is still. And we got to see how he looks. Be. Like, yeah. we'll see how he looks in this game. There's a lot of things we can see with Kansas City this week. It, with Joe Burrow, with three linemen out and against either one of those pass rushes. I know. Yeah, I might. By the end of the show, I might change my pick back to Kansas City because the, I wanted the snow help them somehow. In pass blocking. And remember, they ran the ball so damn much, yeah. though. Because, well, they ran the ball a ton. They ran it down their throat. I yeah. want to say they ran it for like 170 something yards, something crazy like that. I can believe it. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I might change my, I might waffle. I know I don't like waffling, <laughs> but I might waffle by the end of the show, man. I really might. If I get an update on Patty's ankle, I might do that. Uh, all right. We come back. We'll talk about Texas uh, taking on Tennessee this weekend. Uh, Going to be a big time top 10 matchup. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie, Wonderful Nine Horn. It is a 512 Friday edition of Ball Don't Lie on 1049 Horn. That means we play jams from local bands and artists, very talented human beings who you can uh, catch right here live in the ATX. Who are we jamming right now, Patrick? This is Holy Wave, and they are playing Saturday at Feels So Good. Ooh, I like that. Feels So Good. That's the jam right there. Uh, all right, if you missed any of those selections or suggestions by my man Patrick, go to hornfm.com and you can uh, catch up with them there. He's always giving you some uh, great, uh, really some great activities and some uh, great talent that you can go see over the weekend. All right, let's get to this Texas-Tennessee preview. I cannot wait for this matchup. It is going to be a blockbuster matchup. Got great storylines, of course. Rick Barnes used to coach here at Texas. Uh, you got UT versus U, lowercase t. Uh, you got the ugly orange and the burnt orange. A lot of great storylines. But the biggest storyline, Patrick, is that Tennessee defense, which right now is considered by most college basketball insiders to be the best defense in the country. Ninth straight week that Tennessee owns the best adjusted defensive efficiency in the country per Ken Palm. They've allowing 82.7 points per 100 possessions, the best field goal percentage defense in the country, and the best three-point percentage defense in the country. No team has scored more than 70 points on Tennessee uh, in over a month. Uh, and the last team to score more than 70 was at Arizona. They scored 75. That also happens to be the last loss for Tennessee. Right now they're playing like a juggernaut. They really are. Yeah, they're playing amazing. And, I mean, they, it's one of those teams that doesn't have, I won't say a huge amount of size. Like, they're not one of those teams that you just say is a, oh, we get why they can play such good defense because they got a crazy rim protector and thing. But they do have length. Mm, and that. they're able to get in there. they got great guard play with hands where they can get steals. So this is a big game to play smart. Don't get, yeah. don't try too hard to save the game for a Marcus Carr. He's got to be smart with the basketball mm-hmm. and not get turnovers. And, and I mean, you're just going to have to try and chip away at the stone the entire game because if you if if it starts to get away from you and you get one of those scoring droughts, it's going to be a hard thing to climb uphill against this really really good Tennessee defense. Yeah, um, I, I think you're right. The start as it can be. You ain't got to have a fast start, but it can be slow. You can't get out the block slow against this team. I'd hate for you to have to you know, battle from a deficit, dig yourself out of a hole against this team on the road, that kind of environment. Eh, it may be tough sledding right there trying to dig yourself out of a hole with this team. No, and, and I'll throw this in too. I think Oklahoma State was probably the best team rebounding game I've seen from Texas in a while. 
uh, where the guards were getting in better positioning. There was better blockouts. Yeah. And so we didn't see so many, you know, second and third chances and where Texas was able to get a couple second and third chances in the game. Tennessee's a better rebounding team than Texas that is. range you talked about. And yeah. so you're going to have to be able to get in the right spots, get your body on people, play sound fundamental basketball in that way. And, you know, it depends. If they're able to start killing you on transition, then, yeah, you're going to have to kind of you know, take your take your poison of do you try and go for the rebound or you try and get back on D. Yeah. But what the hope is you can leave at least one guard back to actually try and go for the rebound and not sit and look at the ball, which is the problems they've had throughout the season rebounding. This is going to be a street fight, ain't it? Uh, yeah. gonna, this is going Rick Rick Barnes. His yeah. teams usually reflect his attitude, and his attitude is we're physical and we're tough. Let's go punch somebody. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> and Texas, I think you know because and Coach Terry's done a great job, and they were built by you know kind of Chris Beard and his image, and he is a tough. Oh, he was a tough guy. He's a tough, and, and they Rodney built Terry's, this team to be. And Coach Terry is about toughness. Well, Terry's coach under both From, of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, we know Coach Terry is coach under both of these guys. He is not going to step down and back away from the fight either. He knows, yeah. Uh, and so this is where we want to see. It's going to be a big game uh, for Dylan DeSue. If he is able mm. to play physical, yeah. keep his keep his ground. Uh, Dylan DeSue has been, been playing really well of not overdoing it, where he'll get in trouble at points where he's, he's got really good footwork. But defenders know, and they just kind of push on you. Mm-hmm. And so you can't do it for too long, or else you're going to fall forward or travel. And he gets in those predicaments a few times when he's trying to do too much and trying to get the perfect shot. When you just need to pass the ball back out and reset, Yeah, he'll just try and go, I know I can take him if I get another second. And by that time, he's falling forward, and it's a turnover. Yep. So all, Now, lost possessions you talk about. Exactly. The wasted possessions you, you talk about. You cannot have wasted possessions yeah. against a good defensive team because – you have a good offense at Texas, but not a great offense. Yeah, you're right. So you need to. You cannot waste any of these shots because we know you're going to shoot roughly forty percent if you're shooting okay against this team. If you're doing well, you're going to shoot forty. You may shoot thirty-five. So if you're giving the ball away, yeah, I mean it's just it's just a big uphill to climb. Now you can say on the other end they need to go play rough defense as well, and that's where again Dylan DeSue, Dylan Mitchell need to be rim protectors, mm-hmm. stay in the game, don't get in foul trouble, going for cheap fouls. You can't get fouls reaching in on uh, you know yes, thirty yeah. feet away from the basket. Dylan DeSue's probably good for one of those a game. He's been doing so much better, but he got one in the Oklahoma great. State game. But you just. Don't get fouls away from the basket. Nothing 20 cheap. feet away from the basket is not a place for you to get a foul, Dylan. Yeah. Get, get underneath the basket, get those blocks. And if you got to every once in a while, you send the message by going up strong, making the block. Man, Dylan DeSue had a block in the last game. No foul, jump ball. Where he mm. went up strong yeah. and t- the, took it down with the man. Yep. Didn't give up on the play. And that those kind of plays is what you want to see from Dylan DeSue, especially in a game like this that is going to be a brawl. Yeah. No, he and he's been man, he's been playing really well the last three games, almost averaging twelve points per game. They're gonna need those guys, those junkyard dogs, to assert their uh, their presence in this game. Uh the guy that I want to watch, because I think he'll be guarding Marcus Carr for a lot, or at least that'll be his assignment for a lot of the game, will be uh Zakai Ziegler who's back with the team now. He was dealing with an injury, but since he's came back, man, he has just been on fire. Uh, 21 assists in the last three games, nine steals. He's got nine three-pointers in the last three games. So they've inserted him back into the starting lineup after the injury, and he's averaging seven assists in SEC play. I know that uh, Santiago Viscovi, I believe, is a leading scorer, but if you watch that team, Ziegler's a guy. You want to get it? You want to get the ball out of his hands. Uh, all right, we come back. We'll wrap it up. Put it in the oven right here on Ball Don't Lie. Wonderful. 
the top again. You mind if I have some of your tasty beverage to wash this pan? Oh, yeah. I've been known to drink a beer or two. I think a man working outdoors feels more like a man if you can have a bottle of suds. It's only my opinion, sir. I got beer. I got bottled breast milk. Eh, why don't we start with the beer? Okay. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Wait, it's already 5 o'clock here. It's time for What's on Tap. How about a nice cool drink? That's oh, really man, good. That's good. That's... That is... All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Uh, if you missed any part of any of the shows, please go to hornfm.com. You can catch up with them on the podcast page. We'll let you know what's on tap before we get out of here. Uh, but also want to wish my man Harge a happy birthday. Uh, it was Harge's birthday today, um, so he's on the road right now. We want to wish him a happy birthday. And you can cyberstalk him at Hardball Harge to wish him a happy B-Day as well. All right, Patrick, what's on tap for you this weekend, brother? Uh, you know, I uh, I think it's a pretty easy weekend for me this weekend. Oh, that's rare for you. Yeah, I think it's uh, because it's an away Texas game, so I'll be watching, but I don't got to work it. And he's gonna watch the and watch game final and then four. Watch, watch final. Yeah, so not too bad. Do we get do we get our final picks yet? Uh, I'm going. I'm going 49ers. I'm going Cincinnati. I'm just period. I'm going for it. I think the Eagles can win the game. I do, uh, but I want to watch the game and root for the same team that I pick. So I'm. Picking the 49ers. Yeah, 49ers, uh, Eagles, that's a toss-up for me. I'm going with the 49ers. But it's really, like, it's two teams that could easily blow it. Like, both of them are young Mm -hmm. and have, like, a young guy that could do it. I think that Kyle Shanahan's been there before. That's kind of what's going on. I'm going that he's been at this position before, and I think he's just going to call the game better. And if you put everything as a wash... I put the coach that has been there before. That's basically what I'm going with, too. I'm having faith in Shano. And then when it comes to the AFC side of things, ooh, I'm basically going with that ankle. That high ankle sprain is going to be a little bit more detrimental to Kansas City uh, than expected. I, I, th- I'm with you. I think that Cincinnati's a little too cocky, though. They are four cocky. times in a row is hard, man. That's hard, man. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Kansas City yeah. four times in a row. It's just really, really hard to do. Yeah, because if we come in here and Joe Burrow's beaten – uh, Patrick Mahomes four times in a row, it's going to be a dramatically different narrative about the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Because some oh. people are going to start taking Burrow over Mahomes. Oh, and there's going to be a narrative about Andy Reid now, Yo. a narrative about yeah. Eric Bieniem and all the Kansas Great City point. stuff and what do we got to yeah. do. And Yeah. Oh, no, I can't wait. I actually can't wait. I'm excited about it. So oh, It's uh, going to be fun this weekend. All right. Well, thank Patrick for doing a great job, as always. We appreciate you, brother. I want to thank my man, Harge, for doing a great job, as always, too. And thank all you guys for listening and for participating. Really appreciate it. Uh, also, uh, I want to remind everybody, go to flxatx.com. If any of you had questions about the showcase, my Anthony Williams, who was on with Harge on Harge Knock Live, uh, talking about that, you can go find out details at flxatx.com. And if you want to check out the basketball game uh, tomorrow, it is going to be airing 4.30 pregame with Craig Way right here on 104.9 The Horn. Nice. And then if we go over for the women's game, they will be playing that evening 6.45 pregame with Roger Wallace over on 105.3 The Bat. That's why he's the man. That's why man, he's the man, ladies and gentlemen, the, the real MVP. Thanks, Patrick. Have a great weekend. Uh, happy birthday to my man, Harge. Uh, thanks to you out there for, for listening, and thanks for your participation. Remember, the revolution will not be televised. We'll be talking about it right here on Ball Don't Lie. We love you guys. We mean that. Take care of yourselves, but more importantly, take care of each other. Have a great weekend. Peace.